Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. In today's first reading, we are reading from the book of the prophet Ezekiel. Now notice how it begins. Thus says the Lord, You son of man, I have appointed watchmen for the house of Israel. When you hear me say anything, you shall warn them. Well, when we hear this, we say, okay, that makes sense. That's good. The prophet's job is to listen to God and warning the people when they're going down the wrong path, leading to their own self-destruction. But remember our baptismal roles of priest, prophet, and king. We promised God that we would live out those roles every day of our life. What does it mean to be priest? Well, it means sanctification, holiness. We try and live a holy life. King. Well, kings lead people, right? Well, we lead people to God simply by modeling our faith. Prophet. Well, we preach the word of God. And if necessary, use words. Constantly, through our conduct and our behavior, we bring people to God. There's no way in which we can say, well, it's only the priest's job to call people to holiness. It's his job to lead people to the good moral life. No. Ezekiel is telling us, as well as Jesus in the gospel, instead, this is all of our jobs. We have to do that ourselves as we live out our baptismal roles that we promised God at the time of our baptism. Now imagine Ezekiel is directing this first reading to all of us, to you and to me. He continues, he says, If I tell the wicked, O wicked one, you shall surely die, and you do not speak out to dissuade the wicked from their way, the wicked shall die for his guilt, but I will hold you responsible for his death. Now, this is hard. This is very hard for us to take and understand. Now, remember, Ezekiel is speaking on behalf of God in this world, just like all the Old Testament prophets did. The prophets were God's spokespersons in this world. So, realize what God is telling us. If we know something that displeases God, and we know someone is doing that, and we don't warn them, God tells us, yes, that person will be found guilty of their actions. But we, we will be held accountable. We're going to be held responsible for that person's actions. Now, in all of sacred scripture, I find this passage most troubling. It is very hard for us to take. It really speaks to us about judgment. At the time of our judgment, when we stand before God, he just may ask us, Now, you saw that person going down the wrong way, engaging in a self-destructive lifestyle or behavior. Why didn't you say something? Why didn't you try and help them? Now, judgment is inevitable for all of us. We can't avoid it. We can't stand before the Lord and say virtue was inconvenient 
or someone to told me to do this, that will not suffice. The bottom line is we are all on for each other. We recognize that we are the watchmen of the house of Israel that Ezekiel is referring to in the first reading. Now, what are the standard objections or the excuses not to do this? Now, some say, well, that's none of my business. Whatever he or she does, that's their business. But it's none of my business. I shouldn't get involved. Or we might say, you know, I know this person is engaging in self-destructive behavior, but let somebody else talk to them. Let somebody else help them. I don't feel comfortable. Or there's that who do you think you are factor. You go up to the person, you tell them how concerned you are. You tell them their way of life may be harmful to them. The person responds by saying to you, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are to judge me? First clean up your own life. Then you can judge me and how I live my life. Now these are all objections or excuses to what Ezekiel is telling us is our responsibility. But they hold no water. We have to always remember, we make up the body of Christ. And if just one person is engaged in personally destructive behavior, eventually it affects the entire church. Give you a good analogy. Notice there's no way the lungs can say to the stomach, Stomach, I know you're sick with cancer, but you're not going to affect me. Well, wrong. If that cancer isn't treated, it'll gradually spread to all other organs of the body, and then the body will become gravely ill. Now, apply that to the spiritual life of a faith community. Even if one person is walking down the wrong path, eventually the whole faith community will be affected. More to it, if we take that attitude of who do you think you are too seriously, we will never say anything to anyone about any type of issue that they may be bearing in their life. We must be able to summon the courage to help people for the sake of that individual, but also for the concern of the body of Christ, our church. I'll give you a good example of this. I have a friend that teaches in a Catholic college as a professor. One day he went to the gym to go work out. Now, as he entered the gym, he saw two freshmen, two teenagers, and he noticed the t-shirts that they were wearing. The t-shirts had images and wording on it that was very offensive and deeply degrading to women. Now, upon seeing those t-shirts and the images, he grimaced to himself, but then went about his business of working out. About 10 or 15 minutes later, a woman came in. She was in her mid to late 20s. She also saw the teenagers, and she saw their t-shirts and what was on them. Immediately, she went over to them and started upbraiding them. She said things like, Do you know how deeply offensive those images are to me and all other women? Would you really treat women this way? Is this how you think of your mother or your sister? The whole time the woman was upbraiding these teenagers, they looked down at their feet. They were so embarrassed. They stood there with their heads down. They couldn't look at the woman eye to eye. They were so ashamed. Finally, the woman said to the teenagers, Please do not ever wear these shirts again. No person should ever be treated that way. 
Now, as my friend was watching all of this unfold, he thought to himself, good for you, lady, good for you to have the courage to confront these guys. Then he thought about himself. Here I am. I am a professor at a Catholic college, and I teach theology. If there's anyone who should be confronting these kids, it should be me. And yet I didn't have the courage to do that. And so he himself was embarrassed. But this woman, she did have the courage to speak out. This woman had the courage to live out her baptismal role as prophet. And this is a great example of fraternal correction. And that's what Ezekiel and Jesus are trying to teach us in the readings for this weekend. Fraternal correction. You see that up and down sacred scripture. So now we know what it is. The real question is, how do we practice it? Well, turn to the second reading from Paul. Paul tells us, he says, Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Now remember, love in sacred scripture is always an act of the will. It's to will the good of another. That's why we can love all people, including strangers. Now, go back to that woman with the two teenagers. I would argue she loved those two teenagers. She loved them so that she willed the good for those young men, enough to confront them and make them aware just how offensive their shirts were. Now, did she awaken in those two guys warm and sentimental thoughts? No, she didn't. But she awakened what was good and the need to treat all people with dignity and respect. And I think those two guys were changed and became better people because of that. And see, therein lies the lesson of fraternal correction. We use fraternal correction always motivated by love for those people that are heading down the wrong path in order to help them. Turn to the Gospel. Jesus is teaching also about fraternal correction. He says, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. If he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, so that every fact may be established on the testimony of two or three witnesses. What's the potential temptation here? You see that person engaging in a self-destructive lifestyle. The temptation is to gossip about them rather than help them. Did you see what he did last night at the party? Did you hear what she said a few days ago? Worse yet, you see that person engaged in destructive behavior, and now you feel a sense of moral superiority. You know, did you see what he did last night at the party? He embarrassed himself, his wife, and his entire family. I would never do anything like that. Well, we begin to think ourselves better than those people, those people that really need our help. What do we have to do? Well, we avoid that temptation, right? We follow the teachings of Jesus Christ and Ezekiel. We summon the courage to practice fraternal correction, motivated by love, just like that woman did in the gym. She was motivated by love for those two teenagers, and in doing so, she made them better men. Well, we must always be watchmen for each other, knowing that we all make up the body of Christ. And so we practice fraternal correction so that our church, the body of Christ, remains strong 
and alive. We always have to remember, God shapes us through other people. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.